one. What is up? This is Football Life presents the Audible episode 30. Happy Football Friday. It is Friday the 13th. We got a loaded show for you here today on this Football Friday for you. I am your host, Randy Hammond, joined by my spooky friend, Matt Bushnell. I'm sure he's having a scary day today at work, but he's here to join us to talk some football. How are you doing, Matt? Doing good, Randy. I mean, is there anything more ominous than Friday the 13th in the year 2020? I mean, I just wish we could have passed this one by. <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to try to make it a little less scary by talking about some football and we got some quality games on the slate. Maybe that can make our day a little bit better. Uh, we're going to break down the game from last night and then, you know, we'll uh, talk about each and every game coming up today. So we will begin with that game last night, Matt, and we were both wrong. Shocker. I know we're never really wrong, but we were wrong. We both expected the Titans to come away with a win last night and they did not. It would be the Indianapolis Colts led by Phillip Rivers getting that dub 34 to 17. And it wasn't really that close. Uh, the Titans pretty disappointing. If you ask me uh, and Ryan Tannehill, and you mentioned this in the pre-show, anytime he faces a good defense, it seems like he looks like a different guy. He was only 15 to 27 for 147 yards and a touchdown, Matt. Uh, other than the Tannehill takeaway, what else did you notice in this game? And I, I, I think Titans have serious problems. I think when I watch the game and the Colts feel like the next level down from Pittsburgh and Kansas City. And I think Tennessee is dropping notches as we go. Granted, they played a Bears team that was offensively anemic. They couldn't move the ball at all last week. And then they moved to the Colts this week. And just so many special team blunders. You can't miss field goals. That has been a real issue for them this year. Um, I still think they missed Tyler, Taylor Lewan. I still think that's a big injury. I don't see any speed at the wide receiver position for this team, which I think is also a huge problem, pushing the ball downfield. So a lot of teams I see are boxing them in, you know, trying to take away the short stuff. So I, I see a couple of issues with this Tennessee team that really has bad implications for their playoff push. Yeah, I mean, the Taylor Lewan thing we did mention at the time, you know, was a big blow for them because they are a run-heavy team and their whole offense is based around Derrick Henry. And he did have a nice day, 19 carries for 103 yards, but it was clear that the Colts had a plan and it was to try to make him run between the tackles because he's not nearly as, an, as nearly as an effective runner through the tackles that he is on the outside. And it's, I mean, part of it is, part of it is because of how big he is. He does not get low and he runs he runs straight up and he's he's got great speed with the way he runs. But as far as physicality, goes for as big as he is it's kind of disappointing how much he lacks um, that physical running style and how low he cannot get um, but this all the other problem with this team that I noticed here Matt and uh, this has been an issue for them seemingly all year but special teams is a big part of the game that we don't ever really talk that much about and the Titans are noticeably bad at it uh, and I'm going to showcase a play here for you guys now that was a game changer and we're going to talk about how it is just elementary school stuff that you can't really make this kind of mistake. So let me pull it up to play now. Yeah, that's – you could see 51, and I believe it was 47, the up back, that, you know, there's got to be better communication up there because typically you saw – um, the guy next to 51, I think it was 86 pickup or 87. It's a, it's a combination of 51 and 46, just not communicating with each other. 
And it's just not a good sign when you, uh, you know, that's literally stuff you practice the very first day that you practice special teams. Uh, you, you always protect the inside because it's the quickest route to uh, the punt. And it's just no difference when you're blocking on a blitz. Like you always protect the inside, make them go outside because it takes longer to get there. It's literally day one stuff. You learn that in high school. So when I saw that play, I'm like, maybe Vrabel is not touching up on these little details like I expected him to. It surprised me because he did play a lot of special teams. He was like a, a gadget player for the Patriots who did all these things. So uh, it was alarming to me that he's missing some of these minor details. And, you know, when you're the Titans and you're trying to make the playoffs and you are facing a division opponent like that, you're only down four uh, in that situation. But, you know, you make a mistake like that, the Colts say they're not mentally all there right now. We can take advantage. And they did. So credit to the Colts. Uh, I totally underestimated them and it wasn't so much any of the roster. Cause I think we talked about in the off season, how much we loved their, their, their roster as a whole. Um, but it was Philip Rivers was the big concern for me, especially because he had not been very good last year. He was not very good so far this year, but in this game, 29 to 39, 308 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he was uh, enough for them to win the game. Uh, and nine, Naheem Hines on his birthday um, had a great game. He had 12 carries for 70 yards and a touchdown. And he also had five catches for 45 yards and a touchdown. So have a day, Naheem Hines. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., your boy from USC, uh, seven catches for 101 yards. He had a nice day. Uh, T.Y. Hilton some, coming back from the dead somehow, four catches for 40 yards. Um, you know, the Colts have a very good defense. And you're kind of seeing it with the Titans who have – what we thought was an explosive offense, kind of keeping them in check here. Uh, I want to point out one more thing about this game, which was uh, a talking point afterwards. I did not know, but Corey Davis playing this game with a heavy heart. He, his brother passed away on Wednesday night. So he, you know, playing that game in honor of his brother, he had five catches for 67 yards, but um, you know, so thoughts and prayers go out to Corey Davis and his family and credit to him for trying to play through that sort of thing. But as, as far as like this game goes, it was not that the entertaining of a game. Tennessee goes completely scoreless in the second half and the Colts run away from this one. Yeah. The, the takeaway, I think it's more of a statement win for the Colts because the big story was, can the Colts beat those upper echelon teams with their offense and score enough points? I, I think the answer is yes, the Colts can score enough points, I don't know if they'll be able to put up points at this pace against the Chiefs or the Steelers. I mean, the Steelers are a different beast um, defensively. So you're probably looking at the Steelers, the best defense in the AFC currently, but the Colts are are probably right below those two teams, the Chiefs and Steelers in the AFC, um, hanging in there with Baltimore. I think Baltimore and Indianapolis are both offensively challenged, whereas what I talked about previously Tennessee lacks that deep ball threat, really. Like, A.J. Brown is fantastic. I love A.J. Brown. Yeah, me too. But I, I just didn't see the speed. And Corey Davis, I thought, would be faster. And I just noticed, you know, throughout the game, he, he wasn't running as fast as I thought, you know, he was. So I think speed will be an issue for the Tennessee Titans going against teams like Pittsburgh. And Kansas City does a good job schematically of taking pieces away. They do have some players, but really how you attack Kansas City is with the big play. You know, they're prone to giving up big chunks of yards. But to me, these teams are going in opposite directions. Indy's trending up. Tennessee's trending down. I, I, I really do not like them winning the AFC South. I thought this game would decide it. And I think the Colts winning on the road in Tennessee was a huge win for that team going forward. 
Definitely was, and it certainly makes the AFC South a little bit more interesting. Both of these teams now six and three, uh, both charging towards the playoffs. And maybe we have two playoff teams in this division now, Matt. We were talking about how it's the Dolphins and the, the Browns, but maybe, you know, maybe we have two playoff teams in this division. But uh, we will find out uh, later this year. But now it's time to break down the games on the slate of Week 10. Matt, what the hell? How are we in Week 10 already? I don't know what, what happened to the time. I feel like we were just doing Week 1 just last week. It's flying by, man. Uh, it seemed like just yesterday the Bears were 5-1. and one, Now they're 5-4. and four. <laughs> It seems like the Giants – well, it seems like the Jets were just 0-1 yesterday. Now they're 0-8. So right. time it's, flies. You know what? If anything we could take away from 2020, it certainly feels like it's flying by here at the end. So let's get to the, get through the home stretch here and get the hell out of this year. Uh, all right, let's start off with the one o'clock games. We're going to do the early games, which are the one o'clock games for me, the ten o'clock games for you. I break that down every week. Oh no, uh, no, but- no, no, no! They are now the eleven o'clock games. 11 o'clock games. Oh, because of daylight we, savings time, huh? We do not observe daylight savings time here in the great state of Arizona. Oh, see, this is the stuff that I don't need to like. This is just more things I have to know. I, and this is just nonsense. All right. Well, now, you know, if you live in Arizona, they are the 11 o'clock games for you. They are still the one o'clock games for me. So I'm going to keep referring to them as such. All right. We have the Houston Texans traveling to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and uh, I guess on paper, it's an interesting matchup. But overall, uh, the, te- the Texans are just two and seven and the Browns are coming off of a bye. So I don't really know what to make of the Browns, except Nick Chubb coming back in this game. So that could be a big boost for the Browns running game. And they have the right guard coming back, who was pretty big for their success early on in the season, who's missed a few games. So the Browns trending upward on the offensive side of the ball, while Houston is just kind of meh. I mean, they almost lost the game to the Jaguars last week. Yeah, this game's clearly in the Browns' favor. I think the Browns have the better roster. I think they have better coaching at this point. So I, I think it's a pretty safe assumption. Granted, even though OBJ is hurt, this team still has nice weapons around itself. Um, the, the running game should still be fine. I don't love the Texans' defense, and I think this sets up well for the Browns. Yeah, also Austin Hooper going to be making a comeback here after a couple weeks uh, on the shelf. So the Browns are getting healthy here, uh, minus Odell. But, you know, I, we talk about Kevin Stefanski so much on the show that I think he's going to somehow make this work. Uh, Kareem Hunt had better numbers when Nick Chubb was playing as well. So I expect to see a heavy running attack from the Browns, uh, a efficient, low-volume passing attack from Baker Mayfield to try to limit the mistakes as much as possible uh, and, you know, get Harrison Bryant involved, get Austin Hooper involved, get Jarvis Landry involved. They don't have a deep threat for him to force the ball down the field to. So I expect the Browns to just run all over the Texans here and win by double digits. I I think they win this game by 10 points. I'm going to say 28-17 Cleveland. Matt, what do you got? I, I think what we're seeing is like a lot of scores going up in the NFL. And yeah. there was a point from Thursday night when they were talking to Mike Pereira, asking him why there's been more defensive pass interference calls than offensive pass interference calls by a large margin. They're not calling holding as much if it's on the back end of the play versus huh. the point of attack. So we're starting to see different ways of how these refs are calling these games this year as a point of emphasis. So I'm going to go with the Browns putting up 34 points to the Texans 21. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you don't see a lot of low-scoring games these days. You have to be a pretty putrid offense to be uh, in in the teams as regularly like uh, our teams that we support. Uh, But, you know, it's okay. Sometimes you like to live in squalor and look at how the others live uh, in 
and lavish lifestyles. All right, we're going to move on now to Detroit, where our friend Leon Tompkins and his Detroit Lions are coming off of a brutal loss uh, against the Vikings. Now they get the Washington football team, who was the only team in the NFL in this year to lose to the Giants, and they happen to have done so twice. So uh, Kyle Allen out, Alex Smith in, Dwayne Haskins potentially the backup in this situation. Uh, I've got to look up Kenny Galladay's status as you talk, Matt. What do you make of this matchup? I think this is a game – that's why the loss last week hurt so much because Detroit has such a winnable game this year that what happens this week could have put the Lions right in the thick of that final playoff spot in the NFC. They lost last week. I think they get back on track this week. I just – I don't believe in Washington's offense because there's too many things that go wrong, too many missing pieces. I love Terry McLaurin and – you know, Gibson, the running back, who's really good. But it just seems like they always shoot themselves in the foot at the quarterback position. I don't think Alex Smith is ready to really make them ascend into a, a, a good team. So I see Detroit winning this game. I'm going to go Detroit 31, and I'm going to go Washington 14. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, so Kenny Galladay has not practiced at all this week. That's not a good sign. Uh, it does not look like he's practicing again today. The Lions are 0-3 without Kenny Galladay. And, then, you know, uh, Sporting News can write an article about how he doesn't get any separation and he's the worst in the league at getting separation among NFL wide receivers. That's fine. But he's clearly a difference maker for the Lions offense. I worry about that in this game. Uh, Matt Stafford did not look great last week. He had, I believe he had a concussion. He was on the COVID-19 list all week. I think Washington's going to end up winning this game because I think their defense is good enough and the lions are going to line because they find ways to lose games. It's not quite Falcons level losing games, but it's still finding ways to lose games. Uh, and Alex Smith, he's going to win comeback player of the year. As I said, I said, all he needed to do is play one snap. How about he win a game? If he wins a game that helps his case even more here, doesn't it? Uh, so I like uh, Antonio Gibson. I like Terry McLaurin. Washington's got some decent players here. I don't love that you lose to the giants. I don't know how you keep losing to the giants, but it happens. Uh, but Washington had five turnovers last week and still only lost that game by three points. Their defense keeps them in games. And I don't think the Detroit defense is anything to sneeze out. So I think Washington's going to pull up an upset here. Uh, I'm going to go 23 to 20 Washington over the lions. Man, that's, that's a lot of points for that Washington football team for a team that hey. hasn't scored 30 all year. 23. You don't need to score 30. It's just 23. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I, uh, we're going to move on now to a game. That if I just looking at all the list of this whole, this whole week of games, this one feels like a slaughter to me, but we're going to talk about it anyways. The Jacksonville Jaguars going up to Lambeau field to play the green Bay Packers, Matt and Jake Luton facing Aaron Rodgers feels like one of the biggest talent discrepancies at quarterback that I can remember in a long time. Yeah, man, this one feels like once you walk in the stadium, you know, you're going to lose. So you just try to go in there and not lose, you know, embarrassingly to the point where everyone says the whole roster has to go. Jacksonville doesn't have a great defense. I mean, let's just face it. Washington lacks, I'm sorry, Washington. Jacksonville lacks playmakers on the defensive side of the football. I can't think of very many guys on that roster that can stop Devontae Adams and Tanyan is their big tight end that they love, Aaron Jones. And then you got Aaron Rodgers and I mean, Jenkins, the wide receiver also for the Packers kind of is showing up, showing some signs of life. It just feels like a route, Randy. Offensively, James Robinson's nice. The Packers struggle stopping the run. So Jacksonville might be able to control some of the clock. But I just really see the Packers throwing up 40 on that defense, and it's going to be over pretty quick. 
Yep. I mean, Aaron Jones missed a couple games, but he said he feels refreshed after that. So I expect him to have a big game. Uh, um, Devontae Adams is solidifying himself as one of the best receivers in the league. He certainly thinks he's the best receiver in the league. Uh, they have Martin, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, who seems to be the guy who catches two touchdowns on two 50 yard passes from Rogers a game. And they're getting Alan Lazard back this week. So um, the Packers are getting healthy and it's going to be bad news for the Jags. And I I'm with you. I think it is a 40 burger. I think it's going to be 41 to you know, 10 and it's not going to be particularly close. And, uh, you know, Aaron Jones might have a big first half and it'll be Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon a lot in the second half. So uh, not too much more. We have to talk about that game because that game's going to be ugly. This game's going to be ugly in a different way because it's the NFC East. And uh, <laughs> this game just was played three weeks ago on Thursday night football to much to my despair. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles coming to MetLife this time to play the Giants. Uh, the Eagles win this game. They are 500, and they actually leave the division at 4-4-1, and they lose this game. The Giants are 3-7 and seven and literally half game back in the division. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> well, the Giants aren't winning this game, so <laughs> we, we can throw that out the window right now. I, well, I mean, the, the Giants are trending in the right direction, but I think the Eagles are getting right. They're starting to figure out some things. Uh, they, they are playing better football. I just worry of the turnovers for them. So I'm going to take the Eagles here, but I don't think it's going to be pretty Randy. I, I think this game is going to be as ugly as the first one. And I kind of think that's how the Eagles win games now is just winning ugly, mucking it up, making it as ugly as possible. So I'm going to take the Eagles here 24 to 22. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but Carson Wentz seems to make plays that you never thought you could see a quarterback make so poorly in his life and then also make a play where you're like, holy shit, like that was an unbelievable play. All in like the same quarter, the same drive even. Uh, he's very inconsistent, but the talent level uh, is there for sure. But what I think is a bad news for the Giants is that the Eagles are coming off of a bye week. And I don't know it off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure Doug Peterson has a really good record out of a bye week. So uh, they've had a lot of time to prepare and to get ready for the Giants. I don't think Miles Sanders is going to play in this game, but, uh, you know, the Eagles still have enough defensively to cause issues for the Giants front uh, front line, who has played better, still not the greatest offensive line ever, and I do think the Eagles win based on that alone. If you remember the first time that this, these teams played, the Giants had a 10-point lead with six minutes left in the game, and Evan Ingram drops a pass. That was a clear first down. If he catches that pass, the Giants win the game, and I'm not angry the next day. But, of course, the Giants cannot have nice things. The Giants – have proven that they can only beat the Washington football team. They have not proven they can beat any team. And I will beat this point to the ground until they actually beat the Eagles or the Cowboys because they haven't done so since the last election. And this is ridiculous. So I'm sick of them losing to the Eagles. I'm sick of them losing to the Cowboys. Do it. And then maybe I'll predict you to do it, but I'm not doing it now because you don't deserve the benefit of the doubt here because every single time you even have a chance, you somehow trip over yourself and find ways to lose. So I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to predict the Giants to win this game. Eagles are going to win this game. It's going to be hideous. It's going to be 22 to 15. And Daniel Jones is going to do something dumb. It's going to make me mad. And the Eagles are going to be four, four and one in the driver's seat to win this division. I got nothing. I don't trust Daniel Jones to protect the football. I think what last week was the first week in his entire career that he didn't turn the ball over. Second time in his career. Second time in his career. Think about that. I mean, how many games are we looking at now? Close yeah. to 20. And he has two games where he hasn't turned the ball over once. That's, that's not a good stat to have, but I agree. I think the Eagles win this one. 
Yeah, uh, and that's only the first game he had this year without a turnover. So, uh, and we got five turnovers gifted to us by Washington to even win that game. So, all right, we got to stop talking about the Giants because all I do is get angry. All right, moving on to an NFC South matchup uh, between one team that got just absolutely walloped against the Saints and the Panthers who put up a great fight against the Chiefs and came short of a Joey Sly field goal once again of winning a game. Uh, but we got the Bucks at Panthers. The Panthers are probably out of it, let's be real, but at least they're competitive. They're entertaining to watch if nothing else. And Tampa really needs to come back win after that last week's performance. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I seen Brady lose back-to-back football games. So I don't think this is going to be the week where they lose. So obviously I'm going to take Tampa Bay here. There's issues for both of these teams. I think Tampa Bay is severely bipolar. It's just you don't know what you're going to get. Adding Antonio Brown to that mix, I, man, I, I get it. You want more weapons, but sometimes you don't need to add more. Less is more in a sense. Defensively, they do have issues guarding deep passes. And DJ Moore is showing that he can get open. Robbie Anderson is showing that he can get open downfield. So I'll be very interested to see. It just, feels like the Panthers are coming back to earth, Randy, of who we thought they were. I I think they're well coached. I think, you know, you give a kudos to Matt rule on this, you know, his coaching job this year, but defensively they're limited offensively. You just kind of like, I don't know if it's Bridgewater that's holding them back because obviously Teddy two gloves is a decent quarterback, but he's never like that top 12 guy. He, He just never will be that guy. So you wonder if the quarterback position is holding them back or maybe the offensive line needs to improve. Obviously, I think they need a tight end to really complement this offense. So I, I just have a hard time seeing the Bucks win this. I, uh, I think the Panthers really need help defensively. They, they were getting, you know, a decent pass rush when they won a few games, but they really don't get, they don't get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. They don't offer a ton of resistance on that side of the ball in general. So they definitely need to improve the defensive side of the ball. But Teddy Bridgewater is just painfully average. Uh, he has stretches where he plays very well um, and he's capable of that for sure. Excuse me. But um, I don't think I ever thought of the Panthers as a team going anywhere. So the fact that they are like a good watch is enough for me. You know, like if you're a, if you're a bad team, but like you're fun to watch, I'll take that. Especially like they put up points, like you're in the game with the chiefs. Um, you're going back and forth and their offense is fun. Like, I mean, Teddy's not the greatest uh, quarterback by any chance or by any means, but uh, I think losing Christian McCaffrey again hurts. I think we didn't like realize like when he played in that game, he was super effective. He looked great. Um and now it's the Mike Davis show once again. So I think that might affect this game a little bit, but Tampa Bay, uh, we talked about this in the game recap. They ran the ball six times for less than 10 yards that whole game. Um, you have Ronald Jones, you have Leonard Fournette, you have the McCoy, a number of other guys. You got to run the football. Like you, you I, I never will vouch for, you know, running backs and individual running backs paying them all that much money or anything like that. But you always, I will always say from a philosophy standpoint, running the football is so important to winning football games. Like you control the clock, you have the time of possessions in your favor, you give your defense a rest. It makes the defense uh, changes the way the defense plays and it opens up the play action pass. It opens up so many things that you have to be able to run the ball. Um, the Bucks, to me, like you got to show me that you can bounce back, run the ball, establish the run, and then open up your offense a little bit. Mike Evans looks like a shell of himself this whole year, um, and he looks like literally just a red zone threat, which is embarrassing because he is one of the best receivers in the league. Uh, Gronk's coming around. Sure, that's great, but you have other weapons you need to get involved. If Chris Godwin can't play again, Antonio Brown, 
we talked about how we neither of us truly loved the signing. We didn't need it. It wasn't necessary. But if this falls apart for them, he, he's going to get a lot of the blame for this. And it's going to be a lot of A-B cancer stuff. And it's honestly might be justified. Like, I haven't heard anything about him being a detriment in the locker room or any of that. But it'll start to come out in only a matter of time if this thing starts to fall apart for Tampa Bay. Uh, I do think Tampa Bay uh, eventually, you know, they write the ship in this game. I think they win 31 to 27. And I do think Carolina puts on another fight. And I think they are one of those teams that are going to be entertaining to watch each each and every week. Yeah, my issue with Tampa Bay is the coaching. I I do not like Bruce Arians. I thought from the very beginning when I saw a little history lesson here, 2016, I moved down to Arizona from Chicagoland and all on the radio, everyone just hyped up like, oh, the Arizona Cardinals are so great. Like a Super Bowl or bust. I I think they did an Amazon series, all or nothing, where it was chronicling them. And there was a lot of talk, man, a lot of talk. And I feel like Arians is one of those guys where it's a lot of bluster, like, oh, you know, we're going to do this, this, this. Arians is the epitome of a me guy versus a we guy. He's thrown Brady under the bus. He's thrown other guys under the bus. He's done it in Arizona. Ask some Cardinal fans, maybe Corey Decker can attest to it. Arians does not like taking blame for the failure of his team. So my issue comes down on can the Bucks become a we team as opposed to a me team and i don't know you add arian or antonio brown to this mix and it's very much it feels like to me like it's a me team and you can see the contrast brady looks like he's just done with this shit he he really does especially against the saints he looked tired against the bears so they lost the bears and the saints twice two okay teams you know i i think the saints are really well coached with a really good leader in breeze I'm going to take the Bucks here, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be close. I'm going to take the Bucks 24 to 21 on a last minute field goal to win the game against this Panthers team. Hmm. So I like Arians, but I never like thought it was anything like more. He was like a, like a quirky offensive guy who was kind of relatable to his players, but it's a good point. You can't keep throwing your guys under the bus like that. Eventually a guy like Brady, especially is going to tell you to go fuck off. eventually, you know, he's not going to just, he's a 42 year old quarterback who has six championships. He's not going to just let you do that to him uh, every so often. So yeah, he's got six rings. Arians has zero. At some point, Brady's going to tell him to shut the fuck up. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. I think that, you know, Arians better get this thing going in the right gear here or Brady's going to it's gonna come out eventually. Uh, all right, so moving on now. This is the late games, which is the 4 o'clock games for me. I guess the 2, two o'clock games for you. Yeah, okay, that's an interesting time slot. But, uh, all right, I don't understand Arizona, and I don't think I ever will, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> Denver Broncos traveling to Las Vegas to play the Raiders. Uh, Drew Locke, not looking too hot lately. Um, I, I guess we could go into a little in-depth about Drew Locke, but I don't love what I've seen from him. On the contrary, I actually really like Derek's car, the season Derek Carr has put together for the Raiders, and the Raiders are also poised for a potential playoff push. What do you make of this matchup? An AFC West matchup, but, I mean, these are the middle-tier teams, I would say. But the, I really like Vegas in this game, and I really like Vegas this year in general. All right, real quick, Corey Decker said that Arians actually has one Super Bowl. That is correct with the Steelers. Forgot about that as offense coordinator. Offense coordinator, head coach, yeah, different realm, but okay. Um, as far as it comes to Las Vegas, I love John Gruden in a lot of different ways. Just like his personality. I love his personality. I know a lot of people can get on about his coaching staff or his coaching style. 
But I kind of like it. Like Gruden's not like this aired out like nutball that we see with a lot of these new coaches. It's yeah. very much, hey, we're going to establish the run. We'll impose our will. They're nasty. The offensive line's a little dirty, you know, taking a little cheap shots, a little, you know, physicality, not so nice. And I, I kind of like that a little bit. I have that little bit of an edge. And I think Vegas is trending up. I, I don't think they're good enough to beat teams like uh, maybe they're in the same category as the Titans, maybe. But, you know, they're not the upper echelon teams. Granted, they beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs only lost this year. But that kind of felt like the Chiefs weren't all that sharp in that game. I'll say that. But a win's a win. Vegas is going to beat the Broncos. I, I just think the talent disparity with what they can do versus the Broncos. And, and don't get me wrong. I think Vic Fangio has done an admirable job this year with all the injuries, losing Von Miller for the year. I'm not sure if Bradley Chubb's out, but I know Jarrell Casey's out, one of their big run stuffers. So that hurts the Broncos. So I think we're going to see Vegas run the ball a lot, and I'm going to take the Las Vegas Raiders 27 to 13 in this game. Yeah, I I was really high on Drew Locke coming into this year, and he was a really small sample size, obviously. But what I'm noticing about him, and it kind of reminds me of early Derek Carr, honestly, where anytime he feels pressure, it's immediate where instead of like moving in the pocket and trying to have a strong pocket presence, it's immediately he bails out of the pocket. And I mean, that's probably a fair criticism for half the quarterbacks in the NFL, but Drew Locke on the run is not very effective. Like he, he's not athletic enough to run for first downs on his own. He's not like a Lamar Jackson type athlete. He's also not that great at running, uh, at throwing on the run. He's not that accurate. He doesn't make great decisions. I just, it's alarming to me because the, uh, the Broncos offensive line is not that great. So uh, I, I still love Vic Fangio, but Pat Shermer has done a pretty poor job so far as the Broncos offense coordinator. Although Jerry Judy, Starting to come into his own wonderful route runner. I, I just totally get Odell Beckham Jr. vibes from him. And I think he's going to be an absolute star eventually in this league. Uh, but the Raiders, I, I, I mean, Josh Jacobs is kind of like Jekyll and Hyde. Like he has a bad week. He has a good week. He has a bad week. He has a good week. But uh, I do think he's good enough to help, you know, lean uh, be a guy that they can lean on. And w- we said this when they drafted him, but when they took that receiver in the first round, he was the third best receiver on the board and they pick and picked him first. Uh, and all they needed was a guy like Jerry Judy uh, or CD lamb to be their guy. But now I, I can't even think of his name on top of his head. I don't know why. Is it Henry rugs, Henry rugs. He has 200 yards on the season and half of them came in one game. So I think they really could have used a, a more dynamic receiver. I know he can stretch the field, but they really like passing game wise. It's all Darren Waller. Um, uh, and, in a, and Nelson Aguilar's had a decent year for them. Uh, but, you know, I do love the personality of Vegas because, like you said, it's Gruden. He's passionate about football. You can tell he really cares. He loves it. He doesn't wear his mask right, but, you know, neither does half the country. But whatever. Uh, I like Vegas in this game. And it's a division game, so these games are always kind of weird. So I'll go Vegas 24, uh, Denver 20, and it'll be a close game, but I do think Vegas ultimately wins. All right. Moving on now to another team in the AFC West, but this is, a, I mean, every week now, the Dolphins are all of a sudden one of the more watchable games on the schedule uh, with two attack of Iloa. It's the Chargers going to Miami to play those Dolphins who are now surging at a potential playoff spot. And every week now, I cannot wait to watch the Dolphins. Yeah, man, the Dolphins are for real. Like they are a middle tier fringy playoff team. <laughs> 
but you see that arrow pointing straight up for this team. Like in a year or two, they are going to be scary good just because I, I, I don't think Flores gets enough credit as being the coach of the job that he's done with this roster. He gets defense. He coaches defense really well. There's something different about him than you see from other Belichick disciples. Uh, You know, he brought in Josh Rose and, and they traded a second round pick and a lot of coaches would feel pressure, especially from a GM saying, Hey man, we traded a second round pick. You got to play this guy. And he stuck with Fitzpatrick. He was like, Nope, I'm going to play Fitzpatrick. So I think when you make decisions like that, when the players see, Hey, you know, this guy isn't just into the front office and, you know, a puppet, you know, he's making decisions for himself and he's going to play the best players. You know, if you practice well, if you're the better player in practice and you're better, the, you're the better player in the games, there's no politicking with this shit. It's all about the best player plays in Miami and you see it on the field. This team plays with heart. They play with grit. You know, they're a little nasty. They're hard nosed. So I really like Miami, especially against a team. And I, I, I like what the Chargers have done. But the Chargers are the epitome of a team that's just trying to find their way. They're, they're losing games because it's just, you know, they don't know how to win with this roster. Granted, they had many injuries. We're talking about Derwin James, Melvin Ingram at this point. So those are two big, big players on that defense that are out. But with that being said, you got to win these close games. I think this game is close because I think Justin Herbert's the real damn deal, but I also think two is the real deal, but I'm going to take the team that's been winning the close games over the team that's been losing the close games. And I'm going to take Miami 26 over the dolphins 20. I'm, I'm going to take the dolphins 26 over the chargers 25. That would be a hell of a game. Uh, Austin Eckler also been out hurt for the Chargers, and he's expected to make a return this week. Uh, he gave a shout-out to his fantasy owners who have held on to him this whole time. That's brownie points for me. So if you have Austin Eckler on your bench for last month, be sure to give him some love and play him this week. Uh, Justin Herbert uh, is, a, is incredible. Every week I cannot wait to watch Justin Herbert, and he – is unfortunately finding on a team that finds ways to lose. And it's not even really his fault. I mean, he did have a couple games where he had turnovers at the end, but he is lighting the world on fire. And this is the same guy who we had, you know, draft shows where people didn't want him even taken in the first round, at, which is unbelievable. And uh, looking at it now, I mean, he throws one of the best deep balls that you'll ever see. I just, I love his poise. I love his athleticism. I love his arm strength. And a lot of this stuff I did not necessarily expect so, so early or even maybe at all in his career. Uh, Tua also picked exactly a pick before Herbert, to I might add. So this is going to be a five versus six. This might be a conversation we have for years coming up here. Uh, the Chargers and Dolphins also connected with that Drew Brees uh, situation way back in 2006, where Brees left the Chargers, almost signed with the Dolphins, failed physical. So these teams do have like a weird history together. So uh, I cannot wait to watch this quarterback matchup. But the thing is, as good as Tua was last week, the Dolphins defense has won them several games this year. And it is a totally a testament to Flores and how he gets these guys. And a lot of these guys are just random guys. Like they're not well-known people. So this is a credit to Flores. Shout out to Belichick for finally hitting on a disciple. It seems like this guy is the real deal. Uh, And the Dolphins to me are going to run this division for a long time. And I think they get the job done here. I don't love the West coast team traveling to the East coast to play a team who's really good on defense. Um, So I do think Miami wins, but it is going to be an entertaining game. Miami 30, the Chargers 28. 
and the Chargers somehow find a way to Charger and lose this game again, making it the 31st win, uh, the 31st loss, I might add, within a score for the Chargers in the last four years. So, sorry, Chargers fans, you'll win. I have a feeling you have a bright future. but They got the right coach. I, I, I love Anthony Lynn. Do you? Okay. That's good. I, I was wondering like if he was going to be on the hot seat here, but I think with giving uh, Herbert the shot so early that he kind of saved his job, don't you think? Yeah, I, I think so. You, you see them progressing. And I think, you know, anytime you have two of your three best defensive players out, yeah. you know, th- th- there's got to be some concession from management to see, like, you know, this guy was playing with the underhanded deck, and this team's in every damn game. Like, they are fighting, clawing, and scrapping, and that's a sign of a coach. You know, that's a good head coach right there. Absolutely. And then you're certainly talented, but like you said, a little banked up. So uh, I'm sure he'll have more of a leash too. All right. Uh, moving on now to one of the more watchable games of the week. If you ask me, it is the Buffalo bills and the Josh Allen MVP brigade's return <laughs> facing off against the Arizona Cardinals and the Kyler Murray MVP brigade. Cause that is alive and well as well. Uh, I love this matchup. And I think it's going to be one of the better games of the week. Yeah, I think it'll be entertaining, but I see two flawed teams here, but yeah. they're perfectly flawed to make a very entertaining game. Yeah. I, I don't like Buffalo in this game. One, they're traveling to the West Coast. So we talk about, you know, the the West Coast team traveling East. Now we have the East Coast team traveling West and their run defense. The Bills run defense is absolutely putrid. Yeah. And you're talking about DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk is showing out. And now, you know, Larry Fitzgerald is kind of underneath guy. And then mm-hmm. you got Chase Edmonds, you know, Kenyon Drake. Um, God, they, they got another guy back there and I can't remember his name now. Um, a guy who played a little bit, you know, played decent last week. I just think with having to worry about Kyler Murray, keeping him in the pocket, they already can't stop the run. This You know, this game is not set up well for the Bills. It's just not in a lot of ways. Luckily, you know, Arizona's defense can't stop a leaky faucet. So, you know, I I, I like Arizona here. I got to think about the score, though. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge, and it's for every team that plays the Cardinals, is how do you contain Kyler Murray? Uh, the guy is, you know, it feels like he rushes for 100 yards every week. He's so unconventional and dynamic behind the, the line there and the way he makes plays with his legs that I, I he's having a better year than Lamar Jackson had last year. Now, Lamar Jackson won the MVP, and he also won many fantasy championships for so many people, and Kyler Murray's been better so far this year. That's pretty crazy to think about. Uh, I do think that Arizona's offense ultimately is better than Buffalo's offense because of the quarterback. I think Kyler Murray's a better quarterback than Josh Allen. It's just the way it is. Uh, I do think that Josh Allen has gotten better, and I won't deny that. I think he's improved. We talked about in the offseason how unimpressive that he has been so far to this point. He has been much better this year, to his credit. He has got a, a great relationship with Stephon Diggs, which has helped him so much. Uh, John Brown came back last week and had a nice game. The Bills are going to have to go toe-to-toe offensively with the Cardinals, and I just think the Cardinals have too much firepower, and I think Kyle Murray ultimately outdoes Josh Allen. And I'm going to go 34 to 28 Arizona. Yeah. I, I, I can't say that Josh Allen has been a total surprise. Everyone was hyping him up to be really good. And the hype doesn't match the production for me so far this season. Josh Allen's not in my MVP race. I mean, you can't perform, I think it was three weeks in a row that it was just really Not that impressive. I mean, he pounds the bad teams. I mean, he absolutely obliterates teams that are not on his level. 
but against unless good, it's the Jets. Yeah, unless it's the Jets. I mean, yeah, you can't perform that sadly against the Jets. But <laughs> I, I just think Arizona's too much offensively for this team. I, Arizona could put up points in a hurry. They could be down by 20, and then the next minute they're up by, you know, three. So I'm going to take the Cardinals here and a little bit of a surprise and a little – Little score separation. I'm going to take the Cardinals 36 over the Bills 27. Wow. You don't even think it's going to be that close. That's interesting. Uh, so just give me a little Josh Allen MVP tracker after this game. Some of our friends seem to think he's elite or an MVP. How much are we going to hear from those people after this game? I mean, he's going to put up yards and he can put up some touchdowns, but I think Kyler Murray is going to outplay him. So um, after this game, I, I think mostly they'll be quiet. I mean, he's seven and well, he's seven and two right now, about to be seven and three. So they're going to take a look at the wins, like, oh, well, he wins games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, Jared Goff wins games too, but he's not in my MVP discussion. Yeah, he's he's fading. We'll see what he does in this game against the Cardinals. But uh, all right, moving on now uh, to another NFC West. Uh, well, the NFC West matchup of the week, uh, and this is the Seahawks coming off of a brutal loss to the Bills. Uh, speaking of the Bills, uh, and they're traveling to SoFi to face the Los Angeles Rams. And if to me, man, if, if Seattle's defense does not play better and Russell Wilson is not perfect every single week, which is not fair, but unfortunately it's the situation they're in, uh, Seattle's in trouble. Yeah, you, you can't be throwing those careless picks. I And, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to say right now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the Rams here. I think Seattle's shown, shown some serious flaws. I think the Rams are more in tune to running the football than a lot of people will give them credit for. Sean McVay is, I think pretty much he knows the limitations of his offense. And I think he's trying to mitigate those. And if you can't block up front to protect Russell Wilson, Aaron Donald's going to be back in your backfield quite a bit. And I think that's going to be an issue. And I think you're going to see Jalen Ramsey take away DK Metcalf. I think we're starting to see that now, Randy, a lot of teams are putting their best cover corner on DK and DK kind of has a little struggle getting out of his routes a little bit. We kind of see those tight hips a little bit, straight line yeah. speed. He's amazing. But um, his body, you know, he's like a big rebounder in the in the NBA. He just boxes people out. So I'll be interested to see how that matchup goes. But I, I do like the Rams in this upset special. The combination of a bad offensive line and a bad defense is just it turns me off about Seattle right now. I know uh, Jamal Adams came back last week, but they didn't play any better. Uh, <laughs> they really didn't do any better. Uh, I, I know I, I like the Dunlap acquisition because they definitely needed a pass rusher, but I think they should have been even more aggressive at the deadline to try to get a pass rusher, and they weren't. And you know they didn't even really try to get an offensive lineman anywhere, and they probably could have used one of those. So I'm with you. I think the Rams win this game, and I think Aaron Donald is like the primary reason why and Jalen uh, Ramsey probably being a secondary reason why. Um, the Rams offense doesn't really do a whole lot for me, but when you have a defense as putrid as Seattle's, it's going to make you look good enough to win this game. So uh, I'm going to go Rams 27, Seahawks 20, and it's just going to be, you know, Russell Wilson, if he even does one thing wrong, it's probably going to backfire for the Seahawks. So uh, I think it will be a good game, but ultimately I do think the Rams win this game in an upset. Yeah, I'm going to take the Rams 24 – well, I'm sorry, 34 – to Seattle's 31. 
I thought it's uh, wild that you, uh, uh, me and Henry are all on the same page in an upset call there, but uh, I feel like Henry's bias comes in a little bit with some of these teams that he hates. So he picks the same ones every time. All right. I love you, Henry. I'm just kidding. All right. Moving on to speaking of the devil, Henry's San Francisco 49ers <laughs> traveling to New Orleans to play the saints. And uh, I don't know Jimmy G's status for this game. So let me look that up, Matt. But what do you think about this matchup? It just goes back to a team that's beat up playing against a team that's really starting to hit his stride in New Orleans. New Orleans is getting healthier as we speak. The defense is looking better. I like the Saints in this game. I don't think we need to spend too much time on it because the 49ers offense just can't generate enough points. And I actually like the Saints to, you know, be successful running the football. Granted, it's in the Dome and San Francisco. I just... You know, Jarek McKinnon doesn't really move the needle for me. Jermichael Hasty, I mean, Mostert's still out. There's just a lot of – it feels like there's too much to overcome for the 49ers to be winning these games against elite opponents. I, I think the 49ers will be in it, but I'm going to take the Saints 31, San Francisco 19. So this was the week uh, that we missed here. So I must have missed this too. But Jimmy Garoppolo is uh, going to miss six weeks with a high ankle injury. And that was in week eight. So that was the week that we missed. So, yeah, it's going to be most likely uh, Mullins at quarterback or you know, CJ Beathard. So, yeah, I just this is not a great matchup. I think the Saints are much better at home too. And I've underestimated the Saints all year. But here they are in a prime position to make playoffs. Uh, you know, Drew Brees is fine. He's done enough to – win a lot of these games and Alvin Kamara has been ridiculous uh been a top three running back if not one it's him or Dalvin Cook most likely this year but uh Kamara's been all over the place Michael Thomas is back now so this feels like a bad matchup for San Francisco right now with, with, with their injury problems every week it's like well San Francisco is going to get guys back but also they feel like they've <laughs> missed like just as many guys as they get back so I do think New Orleans wins this game pretty handily uh I'll say 30 to 14 New Orleans and it's pretty, not really that close so uh, moving on to uh, an AFC North matchup, and it's uh, the frisky Cincinnati Bengals with uh, rookie of the year front runner Joe Burrow and the number one overall pick uh, going to travel against the, to play the Pittsburgh Steelers, which we don't know if Big Ben's going to play yet or not because he's still on the COVID-19 reserve list. Matt, what's going on here? Yeah, I, I don't know any more than you do about the situation. I do. I, to me, I feel like this will be the biggest upset all weekend. The Bengals are going to upset the Steelers, and it is going to be one of those Joe Burrow statement win games that, you know, the really good rookie quarterbacks get. So I'm going to take Cincinnati here, Randy, 27 to 26. I think the Joe Burrow love fest would be borderline insufferable at that point if he pulls this off uh, but at, at the end of the day it would be deserved because if you watch the Bengals and you watch Joe Burrow play he looks like a 10-year vet he looks the part as much as any rookie quarterback that I've seen he looks so poised and so good at all times uh, I'm so impressed with Joe Burrow he looks like he has you know he's he looks like he's 12 in the face like you look at his face it's very much a baby face but the way he plays is, is very impressive. I will hold out reservations a little bit here just because if Big Ben does play, I'd like the Steelers' chances a lot more here. Um, yep, I'm, I'm just going off picture for a second here, Randy. I got to fix okay. something in here. So I was confused as to what was going on there. All right, yeah, but if Big Ben is uh, – 
back, I think the Steelers somehow win this game. And I think Cincinnati is a good candidate to potentially beat them later in the year in Cincinnati, but that's not necessarily in Pittsburgh. Uh, so big, big Ben plays and thinks Steelers win this game and remain undefeated. They're still the only undefeated team in the NFL. Uh, if big Ben plays, I think they win this game 24 to 17 without big Ben. Uh, I don't love uh Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges all that much. So I do think it would be uh, the Bengals with an upset like 20 to 17 there. So uh, I need to see Big Ben play. I think it'll be a similar situation to what Matt Stafford had last week where he was on the COVID-19 list all week. And then he eventually uh, just got cleared Sunday morning and went out there and played, except Stafford looked horrible. I expect a little bit more from Ben. I can't really explain it. I just think that he's the kind of guy who could just show up and throw for three touchdowns and not have any practice uh, at all. Uh, all right. Matt Bushnell currently uh, running away from the, the screen because one of his, his team is coming up here in a minute. Uh, maybe he didn't want to talk about the bears. So I will continue. Oh, no, on. No, I'm still here. I just, I'm just working on something. <laughs> breaking news Matt Bushnell's still there uh we're not as embarrassed yet Matt don't worry you don't have to run uh we have to move on now to Sunday Night Football the NBC matchup uh one of two primetime games this week and it's the Baltimore Ravens against the New England Patriots and it's a lot of ugly offense in this game Matt right no, no doubt I don't have high hopes for New England even being competitive in this game but Baltimore you know they'll keep it close because I think their offense struggles but at the end of the day, this is another loss for Philadelphia. I mean, I'm sorry, for New England. Uh, you know what, though? I really don't like at all what I've seen from Baltimore's offense. And Lamar Jackson feels like he's taking a step back to me. Uh, I know that the Patriots struggled with the Jets quite a bit last week, but this is Sunday night. This is New England. This is cold weather. You know, I could see Baltimore struggling. They've, they've had a, a few people we have put on the COVID-19 list. Some of their better defensive players also put on the COVID-19 list. So I would not be shocked if the Patriots – upset the, no, the Ravens in this game. And actually I'm going to go out on the limb and predict this to happen here uh, in a shocking fashion. Um, I'm going to say the Patriots win this game 19 to 16 and it is borderline unwatchable. Wow. That, that is, um, <laughs> I'm not going that far, Randy. I, I will take Baltimore. <laughs> 26 to well now you know i'm gonna take baltimore i, I think they put up 28 I, I give them four touchdowns here baltimore um 28 to the patriots 13 okay uh it's i think yeah it's gonna be uh, cold and ugly and alice probably just gonna hate himself by the second half but uh it is time for those patient enough to wait to the main event of the evening uh a shout out to the great showman ladies and gents this is the moment you've waited for matt bushnell's chicago bears on monday night football at home hosting the minnesota vikings suddenly the on fire minnesota vikings coming into the bears who have lost three straight matt your 11-5, 10-6 prediction for the Bears slowly fading. Is there any way they can write the ship in this division round matchup, in this divisional matchup? I don't know. Um, you know, kind of when I looked at the schedule, I kind of figured, okay, they were going to lose to New Orleans. They would lose to Tennessee. Um, God, I forgot what, what was the other game in that series. Well, oh, well, no, I, yeah, the Colts were week three, though. I'm trying to think. So they lost the three in a row. Yeah, the Rams. Okay, the Rams, Saints, and Titans. That would have told us a lot about this team, and it did. You know, it told us a lot about the Bears in that three-week stretch. 
what it didn't what I didn't predict was how bad Matt Nagy is as an offensive coach, not adapting to his talent and how bad the, I mean, this offensive line, and I'll say it right now, I, I would be hard pressed to find a worse offensive line in the NFL than this one. I, I don't, I don't think there's one out there. We could talk the giants. I, I take the giants offensive line over this one. I take the jets offensive line over this one. I mean, who's next? The Texans, I take the Texans offensive line. Uh-huh. Jacksonville, g- give me any other offensive line other than this one. And it is bad. The Seahawks, the, you want the Seahawks offensive line? Yeah, yeah, give me the Seahawks offensive line. They, they are so, I mean, the technique is bad. The coaching is bad. Offensively, this is the worst offensive football team in football. And I think it stems from the inability to commit to something that the head coach doesn't want to commit to Nagy wants to run that Kansas city offense, but we've seen with Andy Reed, Andy Reed develop, you know, adapts to the players at his disposal, Alex Smith, kind of that run first type. And, you know, even with Patrick Mahomes, you know, it's, he developed Donovan McNabb. This is not Kansas city. This is not Patrick Mahomes. This is not Donovan McNabb. You don't have that quarterback. You don't have that offensive line. So you have to create favorable matchups. I mean, it's been three years now, and we see the trend with Nagy. The offense wasn't good in 2018. It got way worse in 2019. And now 2020, is just the bottom falls out. So now what are Bear fans doing? You know, we're going through that seventh circle of hell with Mitch Trubisky. Is Trubisky really that bad? Was Trubisky not that good? <laughs> or is it Matt Nagy? Because Nick Foles sucks. Well, here's the thing. Foles wasn't a franchise quarterback to begin with. He's a bottom tier quarterback in the NFL. Great backup. Fantastic backup. Trubisky is what Trubisky is. You know, at this point, he's a quarterback that has had three shoulder injuries in the past three years. That is, you don't want that. That's a terrible thing to start going into. So now we see the Minnesota Vikings, who Matt Nagy is 4-0 against because Kirk Cousins cannot beat an elite defense. Well, Randy, that changes this week. The Minnesota Vikings will get their first win against the Bears in three years. I do not believe that this Bears offense is going to be able to put up enough points. We see that I've seen worse offenses, the Colts, beat the bears by only putting up 19 points. This will not be a fun game to watch for any bears fan because it's the same old. We know the bears can't score points. They scored three, t- was it two touchdowns and a field goal in garbage time. Essentially they went scoreless for three quarters against the Tennessee Titans who couldn't stop the Colts. So now I'm supposed to think the bears are going to do something better. No. Uh, Dalvin Cook's going to have a big day. Adam Thielen's going to have a nice day. And the Bears offense probably will go scoreless for the first three quarters again, taking the Vikings 24 to the Bears 17. That would be something, Matt. I got to, I'm going to phrase this. No, I'm not because I, I don't know how to do it. But I, I was going to do, do a nod to Alex Trebek and Jeopardy here, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, RIP Alex Trebek. Uh, I was going to ask you do you know what Kirk Cousins' record is in primetime games in his career? Okay, I know it's awful. What is it? It is eight, fifteen, and one. 
If the Bears make Kirk Cousins look good in this game, it is over for you, my friend. It is over. Kirk Cousins is a coward when the lights shine the brightest and the whole world is watching. But but here's the thing. I, I could still see Kirk Cousins being awful in this game and them still winning. It's not like they have to do a lot. Kirk Cousins doesn't really need to do anything. It's just be the Dalvin Cook show. They beat the Packers. All right. So that's the bar. The Vikings beat the Packers and they made it look easy in Green Bay. So now they come to Chicago against a team that can't score. They cannot score. And I'm supposed to expect something to be different against the Bears or with the Bears against the Vikings. I, I, I don't see it. I mean, I think Cousins can still look like trash and the Vikings still pull this out. That's how bad this offense is. I mean, what if it's like a five interception, three pick six performance from Kirk Cousins? Oh, like, the, 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 yeah, then the Bears win. Because I, I, I'm expecting that sort of mental like breakdown from Cousins on national television. Like I expect that sort of thing from him at this point. Like I, Dalvin Cook's had a great run, but I think that you know the, the Packers defense isn't the Bears defense. I do think the Bears defense could do a much better job against Dalvin Cook than the Texans or the the Packers that they played recently. Uh, I just, I like the Bears defense enough that I think they can win this game. And I just think the Vikings are kind of fraudulent. Both of these teams are actually pretty fraudulent, uh, really. But I understand your thought process. I, I call me crazy, but I think the Bears might win this game. And I think, like, and Nick Foles obviously is not the answer. Uh, Mitch Trubisky obviously not the answer. What if, what if we just combined them and did this thing where Mitch just starts the game, plays the first three quarters, and then bring in Nick Foles? Because that seemed to have worked even for the Eagles. <laughs> I I no no um he, he, here's the issue with the bears I I do like Matt Nagy the head coach I loathe Matt Nagy the offensive mastermind or whatever they, they want to call him he needs to stay away from the offense his players play hard for him I, I'll give him that he's not an offensive coach he, he's, I think, a decent leader, but he's got to step away from this. And this Bears team will not be a Super Bowl winner if Matt Nagy's calling the offense. They might not be a playoff team if Matt Nagy's in charge of this offense. So there's going to be some hard questions that have to get answered in the offseason for the Bears. Where could we see a possible cleaning of the house? I think Ryan Pace kind of gets... I, I don't know, like Pace is hard to judge because he does a good enough job finding defensive players. Like we can't just say, oh, Ryan Pace is garbage. I mean, he built this defense. Let's face it. You know, Eddie Jackson taken in the fourth round, Jalen Johnson, second round pick. You know, he made the Khalil Mack trade happen when, you know, not a lot of people thought that could have been done. He drafted Eddie Goldman. He drafted Roquan Smith. He signed Danny Trevathan. I mean, there's a lot here. He signed Akeem Hicks when no one saw anything out of Akeem Hicks. So there are things here where Pace has to get credit for, but do you give a GM three head coaches? I don't think so. I I don't think so either. There's too many damning things here. 
Because you could point at the little things and like, you know, he did do some great things, but the things that are sustainable, he failed at at the end of the day. The the solid things that build foundations for your franchise, he failed at. So you're basically just patching the rest of it together and it's just not good enough. And uh, I do think he would eventually lose his job if he has to get to that point. But Matt, I got some news for you because I'm going the Bears here. And I think when we do this show on Tuesday, you're going to be a happy camper because the Bears are going to win this game and show that the Vikings and especially Kirk Cousins are frauds uh and i'm gonna say bears 20 vikings 14 it's gonna be hideous and kirk cousins gonna have three to five turnovers in this game hopefully we'll see <laughs> all right bye weeks this week uh you got the atlanta falcons the dallas cowboys the kansas City chiefs and the new york jets so we get we get to avoid the jets this week matt that is kind of nice that's gonna be nice for the recap on tuesday uh all right so this is gonna like when i originally made the rundown i wanted to do an alex trebek segment here i had uh, a clip of him doing a football uh segment in jeopardy uh unfortunately due to technical difficulties that's not gonna work but uh, obviously the world lost this iconic figure uh alex trebek who wasn't football fan so i think he would have uh you know i don't i like to think he would have liked our show i don't know we're not quite the wordsmiths that he is but uh what do you make i mean i feel like in the world is so divisive and so uh there's so much turmoil in our country right now it was nice to see kind of everyone come together and showcase their love for the legendary pop culture figure known as alex alex trebek yeah it's sad that trebek left um you know he was kind of you know, a steady face. I remember when I was in school, you know, you come on Jeopardy, there's Alex Trebek. And even now in my late thirties, you know, there was Alex Trebek. And now, you know, it's like little pieces get taken away. And then we just get breaking news that Paul Hornig passed away today. Oh, no. you, know, you know, Hall of Famer, Green Bay, Notre Dame. So, you know, football's losing guys you know yeah. and then even the world is losing guys yeah. so you know definitely I, i'm gonna miss trebek you know we kind of joked about the saturday night live iconic <laughs> alex trebek sean connery skits and even yeah. burt reynolds who burt yeah. reynolds passed away as yeah. well you know so it, it's sad to see you know hopefully you know trebek is resting in peace and he no longer has to hear sean connery make fun of his mother <laughs> yeah um for those of you who don't know what i'm talking about i will post that clip of trebek in the football segment and he's asking all these football terms and these you know Tri jeopardy is like the nerds of the nerds like they're most smartest people that go on jeopardy and they, it's legit it's really is a quiz show of all quiz shows so they don't know anything about football uh they probably never watched a snap of football in their life so he's kind of making fun of them for not knowing any of the answers it's it's pretty good i i'll, I'll share the clip in the group later and hope you guys get a good laugh of it as well so uh life's too short and uh, and unfortunately you know i feel like every one of these shows we have to talk about someone leaving us but that's the way of the world and then you know we're not here for very long but the Hopefully we all can have a, a, a sliver of the impact on the world that Alex Trebek has. So uh, Matt, before we say goodbye, do you want to tell us about the rest of the shows we have under our life group umbrella? Yeah. Stay tuned uh, for Sunday total basis podcast with Felipe Melicio and Sean Connor Flannery. Very interested to hear some free agent breakdowns from them. Um, Vince and Henry on Dong City on Mondays. I'm not sure if they're going bi-weekly yet. I think that might be coming soon, but they may not be on this week. Stay tuned for that. Wednesdays, the step back is not on this week, um, I believe. They're on next Wednesday, but they are usually on every other Wednesday during the offseason. But the NBA season's ramping up. Draft is coming up. Yep. You know, season starts December 22nd, so they may have to kick that into high gear here coming pretty soon. <laughs> and then we are also looking at 
the Audible. You know, obviously on Tuesdays and Fridays. So that's kind of yeah. our lineup currently as is. Yeah, so check out all those shows. Uh, we have a great group of people here who work pretty hard on all these shows. And, uh, you know, me and Matt are in the swing of the football, like right in the middle of the football season now. So we're going two days a week. Uh, and, you know, Dong City kind of set the standard for for how often we got to do these things and how often we, we got to work at these. So uh, Vince and Henry are the standard we're all working towards. So make sure if you have not checked out Dong City to go over to Baseball Life and do so. So uh, this, Matt, it's been great talking to you on this Football Friday. I got some work I got to do. You got some work you got to do uh, i hope you and the rest of the viewers have a great weekend thank you guys so much for all the support no matter where or how you're you're watching us or listening to us we greatly appreciate it so i'm randy hammond on behalf of matt bushel saying see you guys on tuesday <laughs>